My name is Boyd Varty. I think of myself as an artist of experience. My passion is to create transformational experiences for myself and others as a way to explore what it means to truly live. My central exploration is to live on what I would call the track of your life. To me, this is to live courageously towards the discovery of what you are called to and to what life asks of you. So much of how I live has been informed by my passion as an animal tracker. I'm following the trail of my own life and reporting back. This show is a daily broadcast from a treehouse on the Londolozi Game Reserve in the wild eastern part of South Africa. Londolozi is a 14,000 hectare wilderness reserve adjacent to the Kruger National Park. The land is home to lion, leopard, rhino, elephant and buffalo, as well as a variety of other animals. I am your host, Boyd Varty. My goal is to spend 40 days and 40 nights alone in the wilderness to explore the archetype of the mystic in nature and hone my skills as a tracker. These are my daily stories. Day 34. So many more elephants. Journal entry. At dawn I awaken, breathing misty breath up into the branches of the tree. At midday, a dust devil spins across the surface of the water. It sucks up a small blast of spray and spreads it as a sudden rainbow across the sky. At night, around the fire, I am still visited by a lone firefly, sending his light out into the night in the hopes of finding love. My days are threaded with the spirit of nature, alive, instead of dead demarcations like Monday or Tuesday. In conversations, I could imagine myself referring to events with, it was the day of the wind on the water, or the second night when the firefly visited. In Jungian dream analysis, everything in the dream is a symbol of the self, and so the way to interpret the symbol is to speak as it. I use the same technique here, imagining that nature is an alive, intelligent consciousness that I am symbolically moving through, like I am in an awake vision. I imagine everything that I encounter is a symbol, and I talk with it and let it answer. In this way I delve into my own subconscious. Who are you, I ask. I am the wind on the water, it replies. Describe yourself with three adjectives, wind on the water. I am sudden. I am uplifting. I am transformation. What is your purpose, wind on the water, I ask. My purpose is to change the state of things, wind on the water replies. And how are you trying to help Boyd, I ask. I am trying to show him that beauty can appear suddenly out of what looks chaotic. Who are you? I am the night firefly, it replies. Describe yourself, night firefly. I am alone. I am calling. I am hopeful. What is your purpose, night firefly, I ask. My purpose is to put out the call. And how are you trying to help Boyd? I am showing him how to have faith, to keep sending out your signal, even when you feel alone.
I always find the language strangely particular as you answer as the symbol. The key is to just let the symbol say whatever it says. In this way, your own subconscious feeds information to you. After a delicious lunch of cornmeal porridge, I decided on account of suddenly feeling really full that I would walk the meal off. I would walk one of my empty water containers to an unmanned guard hut south of the Londolozi camp. It was a location that meant it could be refilled easily in the morning and brought back to the tree drop. I set off into the early afternoon heat with my binoculars and the 25-litre container. Immediately, I realised out of the trees of the riverbank, it was much hotter than I expected. Blazing, actually. I had no water, but I d decided if Harry Kirkman could go all day without water, I could walk six k's without. When I was friends with the soldier Irwin, we would often go on 40-kilometre walks on which Erwin wouldn't need a sip. Instead, he would suck a small stone to keep the saliva in his mouth. Leaving the cool of the trees, I saw vultures circling high up in the blue sky. Miles away, one tucked its wings and fell like a stone. The others followed it down to the ground. No doubt there's meat there. A hunter-gatherer or a lion would be on the run to where that vulture dropped to see if they could get some of that meat. It's funny to watch lions watch vultures. On the clearing behind the camp, two rhino were feeding just off the side of the road. I turned downwind and began one of my many, many detours. I skirted the rhino fa fairly well. The oxpeckers on their back alarmed at me, but I was able to avoid being seen. They lifted their heads but the wind and the cover meant they weren't sure I was there. Then I popped out of the thicket. I startled a large kudu bull, long and lithe, a body and grace like a powerful ballet dancer. He turned his huge ears towards me like radar and then sprung away. A tortoise was walking down the path, plucking and chewing leaves. A group of warthogs snorted and stuck their tails in the air as they ran away. I was sweating and already thirsty. Soon I saw an elephant blocking the road. Then I saw hundreds more rising up onto the clearing. Mothers with babies in the shade and big bulls who had joined the herds. Again I cut onto a game path that would take me downwind. It took me into thicker bush where I had to stop and listen for the sounds of feeding. Giants could suddenly loom unexpectedly. The path was slipping me past them, and suddenly the bull appeared closer than I expected. I changed course and darted behind a tree so he wouldn't see me. The path was made by hippos and led me on past a series of wallows and endless piles of elephant dung. There was burbling and gurgling in the bushes all around me. Near the hut, another young bull materialized suddenly, causing me to cut down a bank and under a huge fig tree that's branches hung like plaits of reddish hair. This kind of bushfelt tradecraft required a lot of concentration. I was listening, smelling, gauging the freshness of tracks almost all the time. I was slaloming between pockets of elephants. An elephant bull in a bad mood can be very dangerous, but a matriarch cow who suddenly gets agitated 
can be truly deadly. What had meant to be a stroll through open clearings had turned into a tactical maneuver. By the time I got to the guardhouse, I was sweating and sharp. It's an intense stroll, I tell you. In the outdoors, dangerous situations often happen long before the danger. They happen through unexpected sliding variables. They happen through a shift in conditions that you didn't have in your head. Huge herds of elephants you didn't expect have arrived. A walk through open clearings becomes weaving through pockets of elephants in thickets. Assumptions you had made no longer fit the moment. Experience in some ways is the ability to arrest the preconceived ideas and assumptions quickly. Assess the changing landscape and situation and then make decisions out of that new information. The danger is when you remain in an assumption for a long time but the situation around you has changed. The route home would have to be assessed. I would have to go a longer way that put me high up onto the crest of a clearing. This would add mileage, but it would add visibility. I tell you, leaving the empty guard hut felt like pushing off from an island to paddle back into a sea of elephants. My route home still involved numerous detours. It was like every herd of elephant in the greater Kruger National Park region had shown up. Herds cut across the clearing. A bull appeared out of a quarry thicket quite unexpectedly. By the time I got back to the camp, I was relieved to see the relative relaxed safety of the tree. I guzzled water and my shirt was soaked with sweat. My post-lunch stroll had educated me once again to any momentary lapses in compla into complacency. But I was also pleased with how I had navigated a sudden uncommonly high number of elephants. Cutting down game paths, I felt attuned and wily. I feel like I belong here. Sitting by the fire, I looked at all of the trees around me. Tamburtis and ebonies, ranging in age from maybe 50 to 150 years. I think of all the things I have seen from this tree in the last 34 days. The animals, the birds, the insects, the butterflies. The changes in the river, the cycles of the moon, the tilt of the seasons. What must these trees have seen? I wonder where we will be in 150 years, which is the blink of an eye in tree time. I could see myself coming back here in 20 years and meeting the trees here like friends. I will be relatively older than them then. I pray they will still be here. 4-0, out. This has been another episode of the Track Your Life podcast with Boyd Varty. Follow us on Instagram at Boyd underscore Varty, Twitter at Boyd Varty, visit Boyd's website at boydvarty.com or subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. Please rate and review this podcast so that more people can find and enjoy it.